Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And, wow, the Packers rolling over the Carolina Panthers yesterday, 38-17, to in quite the unexpected win, the fourth straight game, and the Packers look to be one of the very best teams in the NFC, and we'll talk about that. Having a little bit of deja vu from last year's 5-2 and two starts when, start when we said many of the same things, so uh, we'll talk about all of those things, but Matt, let's just start with the game yesterday. I said I thought it would be a high-scoring game. You said you thought it would be a low-scoring game, and we were right. The Packers scored a lot, and the Panthers scored a <laughs> yep. little. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it was a heck of a game, and it wasn't even nearly as close as it ends up looking like. I know how much you like garbage points, but I mean, that was just an absolute domination by the Packers. You can't really have asked for anything better. Everything went right. Um, definitely seemed like a bigger lopsided win than 21 points. Yeah, and it's strange to have done it to the Carolina Panthers. They're a first-place team, albeit in a pretty bad division, but when we've seen this team have these type of wins, it's against... Minnesota or the Tennessee Titans or the Cleveland Browns. I can't it remember. It feels like it doesn't count. Exactly. I mean, everybody does that to those teams. To have them lay the lumber to a team who was in the playoffs last year, 12 and four, first round by. I know they've had some injury issues and they've got some issues on defense right now, but they still scored 37 points the week before. They had a comeback win against the Bears. They haven't been just this thorough domination. Um, that they got yesterday, and not only that, thorough domination against a team that has struggled against all the things that Carolina does well, and so I, I guess I don't know who's good, but certainly encouraging to have done that to an opponent like that. Yeah, and I think I may have predicted the Panthers' points uh, right. I think I might have said 17, but I did not expect Green Bay to put up 38. Mm-hmm. I mean, although Carolina's secondary isn't very good, but their front seven generally has been, mm-hmm. so... That's They've usually been the horrible teams that the Packers year, struggle though. against. You know, teams that can put some pass rush on Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So for them to put up 38 like that is just unbelievable. And it, although this Panthers team isn't the team we thought they were going to be going into the season or a few weeks ago when we were talking about this maybe being the Packers' big test, it still gives me a lot of confidence going forward. Yeah, and it's so strange because I know the garbage points are a problem, but I went on today to look up the Packers' statistics, and they have one of the better point margins in the NFL right now. They're sixth in the NFL with a point differential of 52 points, which is good. They're fourth in scoring. They're tenth in points allowed. But if you look at the actual yardage indicators, they're 25th in offense right now, and they're 19th in defense. And so I know it's early in the season, and the numbers can do funky things, but... I watched the rest of the games yesterday, and I didn't see a defense that looked as good as the Packers. As crisp as tackling um, all over the place, and I'm sure they will not stay this way forever, but 
And an offense. Can you tell me there was any offense outside of Denver that played as explosively as the Packers did yesterday? And for them to still be 25th in offense and 19th in defense, this team could still get better, which is a scary prospect for the NFC. Well, I think I think the garbage points is big, like you said, but also they're just getting so far ahead right away. I mean, it sure seems that Rodgers threw for more than 255 yards yesterday with how well he played, but he just didn't have to do it afterwards yeah. um, later in the game. So I think that's probably the, the big part of it is they've just been killing people lately, so you don't have to throw the ball as much, and uh, you're not going to put up as many yards as you probably would if they were playing from behind. Yeah, and... I think that definitely has a lot to do with it, and I'm finding it hard to know what to say anymore about this team because they've played very well on offense uh, the last few weeks. Ever since that debacle in Detroit, they've been really unstoppable. Aaron Rodgers has been unbelievable. Right now he's got 18 touchdown passes to one interception, which is just ridiculous. The running game got going. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb looked phenomenal again. Um, Both of those guys have caught a touchdown pass in four straight games. And um, I was going to look that up today to see if that's some kind of record, and I bet you uh, at least it's a Packer record. Yeah. I thought Javon Walker and Amon Green might have done something similar to that uh, in one of those big offensive explosion years that we had when Sherman was here, but certainly unprecedented things are being done on the offensive side of the football. On defense, I don't really know who to single out. Clay Matthews was back yesterday. They tried some new thing called the NASCAR formation where they have all their four main pass rushing linebackers on the field at the same time. But um, just a solid effort all around. Is there anybody or anything that stood out to you as uh, something that maybe we hadn't seen before from this defense? No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, Clay had a really good game. I think Guyon just keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. We really picked on him the first few weeks as being a huge hole in that defense. Yeah. And he's played really well the last couple of weeks. That could end up being a huge free agent signing, and I didn't think I would say that after the first couple of weeks of the year. Yeah. I don't know if he's just getting more comfortable, if, if they're using him better, but he's he's been a big asset in his making plays. And I think also as well in the middle of the defense, which has been the biggest problem, I think we're seeing A.J. Hawk and whoever's on – next to him there, whether it's Lattimore or, or Brad Jones are stepping up as well. Mm-hmm. So it's the holes that were there seem to be a little bit covered up right now. I guess nobody in particular really stands out. I think Julius Peppers has maybe been the best defensive player for the team so far, but I uh, I don't know. if They did a great job filling in with Sam Shields out. The safeties played well. Clinton Dix played really well again. Mm-hmm. I guess nobody in, in particular really, really stands out to me, but the whole defense just played really well. Yeah, and in addition to the guys you mentioned, I thought Morgan Burnett's playing very well. Yes. Um, Mike Daniels is playing at a Pro Bowl level. I think we're starting to take that for granted now. Um, Devon House has been very good. And I know Tremont got beat a couple times yesterday, but that whole secondary, like House was a guy who we thought was going to be a starter, got injured, and then just seemed like, oh, man, this is a guy we missed on. And now this year he seems... I don't want to say Al Harris-like, maybe not Al Harris of 2006, but maybe Al Harris of 2003 or four right now. I mean, yeah. just you can trust him out there by himself, and he still has got to find a way to get his hands around a ball one of these days. But, uh, man, he dislocated his fingers so, because he stoinked one off his fingers. But, I mean, this whole defense is always in position, and there was a moment yesterday that, to me, was this newish defense in a nutshell was Greg Olson got a pass on a crossing route which has torched the Packers for years and Micah Hyde tackled him right away as he was running and held him away from the first down marker and it's so 
normal for a good defense, and the Packers haven't been able to do that for years. And to just see a guy trailing dive and tackle a guy was so refreshing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we are a new defense. Yeah, even the years that they've been good on defense, you still feel like you've been complaining about the tackling. Like, even in 2010 and some of the earlier 2000 years, mm-hmm. um, there still always seems to be the tackling problems. Every team seems to have it, but with the way they played yesterday, just flying around, and everybody really, I think Clinton Dix brings a lot to that defense that they were missing with mm-hmm. um, tackling out of the secondary. But if they can tackle like that all year, and I don't see why not, it's not like they aren't a- there aren't athletes on, on Carolina. Greg Olson and Kelvin Benjamin are are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that against the rest of the teams the rest of the year, you're in really good shape. Yeah, and so let's talk about that because the Packers are apparently unbeatable in October and have been for a couple of years. Yeah. I sent you a message since there really is nothing to complain about about this game, which is what shows like these are designed for and anxious fans like me thrive on. Is there a risk that excuse me, that the Packers have peaked too soon? And by that, I mean, as exciting as this is and you need these wins, you're a long way from January yet, and you never want to try to manufacture that kind of hot cold that every great team seems to get hot at the right time. It's impossible to manufacture it. If you try to do it, you're going to ruin your football team. But is there some kind of concern that the way they're playing now is not possible to maintain itself. It's not. They're not going to. I mean, that's just part of the game. The only team that seems to be able to manufacture it is the New York Giants, and as you mentioned, it kind of ruins you at times. I don't know (laughs) if they do it on purpose, but it sure seems that way. But they're not going to play this way the rest of the year. We're going to have a three-game stretch where we're probably bashing this team and we feel like they're the same team they've been. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they can't come back to this either. It's yeah. nice to see it. You know, maybe this is a ceiling, but it's nice to see it, and it's nice to know what this team can do and, most notably, what this defense can do. So I think it's it's making me feel better seeing it, knowing they can do it. It's not going to continue every single week. They're not going to play like this every single game. But to know they can do this and maybe hit their stride again, mm-hmm. maybe you have a lull you know, around week 10, but if you can hit it again going into week 15, 16, 17, um, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're looking pretty good going into the playoffs. So I guess my answer is it won't continue, but it's nice to see an apex like this. Yeah, absolutely. You get to see them at their best, which some teams never quite hit their stride. And, and like you said, the fact that they can do it is encouraging – it sounds like a simple answer, but honestly, it's going to come down to injuries, like it always does. They had a couple of, you know, Sam Shields is questionable for Sunday. Starks is questionable with an ankle. Daton Jones is still questionable. House messed up his finger. He's questionable. So you're starting to get guys banged up. I know that happens to everybody, but there's a breaking point. And injuries are always going to tell the tale, I think, with these upper echelon teams in the NFL. Because I was just thinking of other teams that we've seen at peaks and what happened to them. The 2002 Packers in October were far and away the best team in the league. Do you remember that? They were killing everybody. They went to New England and whooped them by, you know, 28 to 10. They were running people out of the stadium. Brett Favre could barely move, and they crushed the Dolphins, who at the time were one of the best teams in the NFL. And then their team just got pulverized with injuries, and they were out in the first round because they had nothing left. Flip side, the 2010 Packers were a mess from an injury standpoint. In October, were not even a playoff caliber team. They were losing to bad teams like the Redskins and the Dolphins. Then the injuries start to turn around. They kind of stop the bleeding. The new guys take off. And then by the end of the season, they were the best team in the league. So I think 
you can't, again, another thing you can't manufacture is the health of your team, but if this team can stay healthy, they can rise up to this level again. And uh, one thing we should talk about is before the season, I had said that in order for me to have confidence that this team can beat either Seattle or San Francisco, they have to beat Seattle, which they didn't, or they have to put up some points and slow down Carolina, and they pulverize Carolina. But now, as the NFL seems to do, the Carolina Panthers are not the team we thought they were going to be. Neither are the Seattle Seahawks or the San Francisco 49ers. If you watch that Sunday night game, San Francisco was beaten worse by Denver than the Packers beat Carolina. I mean, it was a scrimmage. The Seahawks have lost to the Rams. They lost at home to Dallas. I think those teams will turn it around, but it's another one of those things. You get them when you get them. The Packers would have crushed San Francisco had they played them yesterday, and I don't know about in Seattle, but if Seattle would have come to Lambeau Field yesterday, the Packers would have beat them too. And so I guess I have confidence now that the Packers can beat either of those two two teams. But it has less to do with the Packers and more to do with, apparently, and it's going to sound stupid when both of these teams come back, but it seems like that style of play might have been a two-year fad with those two teams. Well, and I'm feeling really smart for my preview show now where I kind of talked about how I feel like this defensive fad. I mean, these things are always so cyclical. Not that defense is a fad, but, I mean, you'll have a couple years where the the dominant defenses rule the NFL and they win championships, and then you'll have a couple of years where the offenses take off. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's what we're seeing here is that these teams with offenses now, like the Packers and like Denver, their defenses are good enough to beat teams like that. Um, And like you said, it's not like... These teams aren't going to bounce back. I don't think Seattle's dead by any means. But I do feel more confidence just because they've been exposed. I still don't really like that matchup with the Packers. And Do I feel better? Kind of yes and no. I feel better because we've looked so much better than them the last few weeks. But no, we haven't done it when it's mattered at all. Or even to those teams at all, we've, we haven't beat them. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, I think that those teams are probably – I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco misses the playoffs. Carolina probably will. Yeah, so maybe you only sucks. have to go through Seattle, and maybe it's in Green Bay. Yeah, and, and I think in Green Bay that turns the table. And Carolina, yep. I'm not sure. They might make it by default because everybody in that division is horrible right now. Yep. Yeah, there's only going to be one team out of there, and it's probably them or New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's one of those things where we talked about on this show when we were trying to figure out why do teams like the Giants and the Ravens, why have those teams gone on runs and made it to the playoffs? And I think Seattle and San Francisco right now – They're balanced, but they don't do anything all that particularly well. And if you look at the teams that are really rolling right now, they're the Packers, they're the Broncos, they're the um, Dallas Cowboys. They're all balanced. They can do everything. They can run if your run defense is bad. They can throw if your passing defense is bad. They can stop your passing game, and they can slow down your running game. And those are kind of, even if you can't do those well all the time, and if you end up with the 25th passing, or the 25th offense and the 19th defense, I mean, you're balanced, and you can produce points and stop points in those areas. And maybe, I guess, I don't know, I'm just kind of trying to figure it out here. I get what you're saying, and I think the way that the teams like San Francisco, Seattle, and Carolina are constructed, their defenses have to be out of control. Like They were last year allowing, what, like 14 points a game, probably, between all three of those teams on average. Yeah. For the way that they play and the way they're built, you have to do that, and that can only last so long. Seattle's defense wasn't going to keep that pace up, neither was Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe they'll 
probably open up their offenses a little bit more once they realize that they have to start scoring more points. But, you know, as built, they have to just allow less than 20 points a game or they're not going to win right now. Mm -hmm. Seattle allowed 26 points yesterday, I think, and they would have won all but one game last year with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead they lose to the Rams. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if – I have to believe they can take it to the next level, but how high can it go? We've talked about this before. Russell Wilson had the game of his life yesterday, and they scored 26 points. Aaron Rodgers put that up with 10 minutes to go in the first half, not even without even making it look hard at all. And so the way their their offenses are constructed, it make the analogy back to the Ditka Bears. I know that's ancient history to most of the people that listen to our show, but that was kind of their team. All of a sudden, if somebody punched him in the mouth, you're like, all right, Jim McMahon, go get us 35 points. And he's like, I, I can't. I, I can't get us 35 points. I can get you 24. Hold them to less than that or we're going to lose. Yep. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how those teams make the adjustment because, as you said, I'm sure they will. One thing I did want to uh, point out about yesterday is that Aaron Rodgers missed a wide-open Richard Rodgers. He said he was trying to get him a touchdown so he could score uh, in front of his dad, who was coaching for the other team. But that was the best thing that happened yesterday because it cost Aaron Rodgers a perfect quarterback rating and preserved the 2009 trip to Cleveland as Aaron Rodgers' best individual (laughs) performance, a game in which Matt and I were there in person with the very optimistic Cleveland Browns fans who were very high on their team. Yeah, and also really friendly, um, a lot of good hospitality towards us, and and you know we were just completely outrageous and drunk, and they were just really really nice to us, anyways. <laughs> yes, uh, something like that. Uh, <laughs> the some, exact opposite. Yeah, uh, yeah at least the, both of those sides happened to somebody. I just can't yeah. remember which. Okay, um, do we want to mention real quick, uh, maybe some talk about Peyton Manning? I am writing an article, and I've always say I'm going to write an article, or I should write an article. This article is written, and I'm going to post it when I post this podcast. So if you're listening to this right now, either scroll up or down. And I have an article about Peyton Manning's um, record-setting performance last night, and more so, what will have to happen statistically for someone to actually threaten that. Uh, So it's very stat-heavy, so if you're not into that, it might not be for you. But if you are into that, it'll be an interesting read. But anyways, Matt... Um, I think you were watching The Walking Dead last night, so I, I don't know. <laughs> did... And also Homeland, so I didn't watch hardly any of that game. Okay, well, uh, did you see anything in the the highlights? And if not, I guess what uh, are your thoughts on Peyton? I, yeah, yeah, I did finally. see most of it in the highlights. And, and obviously he's had a great career, probably the best regular season quarterback of all time at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, what else do you say? I, I think he's great. I think the record probably will get beat someday just with the way the NFL is going, but mm-hmm. I think it'll last a while. I, Brady Breeze probably won't break it. I don't think anybody who's in the league right now will. Rodgers and, and Luck may eventually get down that path, but it's going to be a while. So, mm-hmm. um, probably You just teased record. all the storylines in that article, so that's perfect. So. Good. <laughs> if you're if you're wondering any of the answers to the questions matches brought up, you should read that article. Yeah. So I mean, he's obviously great, and just to watch him do the things that he does in the regular season is better than I've ever seen anybody do it when he's on. So mm-hmm. I I would probably say, I know I have Brady ranked ahead of him in our our top ten quarterbacks, and I'd probably stick with that just because of the postseason. But mm-hmm. I'm convinced that Peyton probably is a better quarterback. <laughs> he just hasn't done it when he's, you know, been in the postseason situation, so if he can maybe tack on one or two, I'd be happy to swap those two around. Even one, I think, at this point. If yeah. He, if he I wins one, he'll be, he'll he'll have gone to four Super Bowls, two and two, 
And, man, if, if there's a team that should be worried about peaking too soon, it kind of feels like Denver. But for them to almost beat Seattle, they destroyed both the Cardinals and the 49ers. Really, the only teams that look like they could compete with Denver in the NFC are those teams that could beat them in a track meet, and that's right now the Packers and the Cowboys, although I have zero confidence that Dallas is sustaining this. Yeah, same here. (laughs) But, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Maybe your Super Bowl pick will come true. It will. Okay, well, if it does, hopefully the last part of it does not, because you picked against the Packers. Okay, um, one last thing about Peyton Manning. It was something I texted you yesterday, and I thought it would be interesting to spend a couple minutes on, and that is... How are you feeling if you're a Colts fan right now? Yeah, that's a really tough one. And I, I'm i super torn on it, too, because I think Peyton probably would... I don't know. It's it's hard because he would have had another three or four really good years for you. He's the best quarterback since Johnny Unitas you've had in the last 40 years. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. He could have ended his career with you, maybe even had you contend for another Super Bowl or two. But... It's kind of weighing, is that worth an extra 10, 12 years of Andrew Luck after he's done? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say no. I, I think that they made the right choice just because you get it so long after this. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get Andrew Luck after Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Had they gotten somebody else or RG3, say, <laughs> I think you're really by, you know kicking yourself. But I think they made the right choice just because I think they'll contend with Luck for a long time now. So... I think they made the right choice, but it probably does hurt quite a bit if you're a Colts fan. It it kind of would have been like us, you know, letting Brett Favre go and watching him, you know, contend for Super Bowls with the Vikings for more than just one year. Yeah. Um, you feel like you made the right choice because Rodgers is a stud, but you're the best quarterback in your, your franchise's history is off winning Super Bowls elsewhere. It's hard to watch. Yeah, and I think that's the feeling I would have as a Colts fan because we lived it. I mean, we're the only other fan base right. that can really – maybe the 49ers. Yep, but... that's – the Chief, oh, well, the Chiefs got to the AFC title game, so they kind of felt that same thing. But, um, yeah, I, I think if I'm a Colts fan, the Colts and the Bronco or the, the Colts and Peyton Manning separated in a very uh, cordial manner, and so I think there is still a love affair between Indianapolis and Peyton. So I think yesterday, yeah. being October 19th, and him breaking a record that was largely. Um, contributed to by his days in Indianapolis. I have a feeling that they were like, wow, that's really cool. I'm happy for Peyton. But as he inches closer to the Super Bowl, I bet you that goes south really fast. And I can't imagine there were a lot of people in Indianapolis cheering for Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl last year and hope he gets the Super Bowl this year. It's the same way I felt with Favre, although probably much less, because Favre and the Packers had such an ugly divorce But when he was throwing six touchdowns for the Jets, I was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, And Minnesota, I guess, is a different dynamic. But when he got to the NFC Championship game and it looked like they might win, it was just this horrible mix of anxiety and anger and fear. And it's like this guy was here forever. And he went over there for a year or two, and he's going to accomplish what he did for us in 16 years. It just, you feel cheated as a fan, so... For Peyton Manning, I would not mind seeing him get another Super Bowl, but I would feel awful for the fans of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, if we have any Colts fans, I'd be interested to hear that. I guess I haven't really heard that perspective. I wonder if maybe they they do root for him just because it was such a good breakup, kind of, and they went their separate ways, and... Mm -hmm. I don't know. That That's a tough one. I feel like if I was a Colts fan, I might be rooting for him. Why not? I mean, he did everything for your franchise, but then again, once you're living it, it's different. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure. It's I, also uh, different if you're two and fourteen, and not if your team is likely going to be one of their opponents in the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's really true. I, uh, you know, I think if they had Peyton Manning right now, they would be a better team. I'm still mm-hmm. okay saying that, even though Andrew Luck's playing very well right now. Mm-hmm. But that's probably only going to last another maybe year after this, and then it's probably going to turn. Yeah, and then we'll see what happens to Andrew Luck. And I wonder if if Peyton wins a Super Bowl, does that ramp the pressure up locally on Andrew Luck to get it done? to kind of make this worthwhile. Hey, Peyton went over there, and he's gone to two Super Bowls with Denver, and he's won one. We gave him a way to get you. Wild card wins don't do it anymore. you got to get one for us. Well, and they also couldn't seem to build the talent around him like they have at Denver either, and I think it's just a probably more desirable place to go. I mean, the Broncos are one of the more historical teams where Indianapolis has been historically not that great since, like, the 60s. Yeah. So they never really signed much for free agents, where Denver, that's what they built their whole team on is free agents for the most part, other than guys like Demarius Thomas. Pretty much everybody else was big signings, where Indianapolis, it was all draft picks. Yeah, that's true. So, they're, so they're could, you know, could they have done this right now with Peyton, what Denver's doing? Probably not. They probably oh, couldn't have lured all these guys in here to help them win. Yeah, you're right. They probably would have been losing at Baltimore in the first round and yeah. losing at New England in the second round last yeah. year. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are all great points. So, yeah, if there is a Colts fan out there that listens to us, we'd love to hear your opinion. Uh, that would be uh, really interesting to hear your perspective and see how it compares to the perspective of we Packer fans who had to go through a somewhat similar situation. Okay, we're actually going to cut the sh- uh, show short tonight. Both Matt and I have other commitments, and so what we're going to do is we're going to do our picks on the Facebook page like we did last week, and I loved hearing a lot of your guys' comments and things like that. And having just said that, before we go uh, – Corey, I think it's Ben. I'm sorry, Corey. You're you're been commenting on a lot of our stuff, and we greatly appreciate you getting involved. But I, that extra H in your name is really screwing me <laughs> up here. Um, he said, given how listless Chicago looked against the Dolphins, it's increasing. It's increasingly looking like the Lions will be our only real threat in the division come December. I'm still really liking our chances. In fact, at this point, I really want to get another crack at the Seahawks, especially since it looks like a hypothetical playoff game against them might actually end up being in Lambeau. What do you guys think? So I guess we talked a little bit about Seattle, and we agree that we got a good shot at Seattle if it's in Lambeau. But how do you feel about the division race? A, are, are the Bears dead? And B, are you expecting the Lions to still be in it at the end? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. For the Bears to not be winning right now against teams like Miami, they're com- their defense isn't great, but it, they didn't lose because their defense yesterday. They put up 14 points. Yeah. They have all the talent in the world, and I think I, I'm sure you heard some of the stories today about Brandon Marshall kind of firing off at at Jay Cutler in the locker room. I think he's completely warranted to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you put up 14 points with all that talent you have around him? I'm convinced at this point that Jay Cutler cannot take them to where they need to go or where they probably should be going. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling very confident with our chances against Chicago. Detroit scares me a little bit more. I feel a little stupid for picking on that defense a few weeks ago when I said that they probably weren't that good and their secondary was bad and they've turned into the best defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that scares me a little bit more. I think that that's definitely the team they're contending with towards the end of the season. I still think they're a better team and I like their chances more. I just I just don't trust Stafford. Yeah. And um, it's always scary going against Megatron and if that defense is right, but I just think... They've, they've proven time and time again that they tend to collapse in those situations. So a team like the Packers, which always finishes strong, I like our chances. Yeah, and 
the one thing I hope that the Bears can do is they can really help us out by beating the Lions a couple yeah. times. But yeah, that defense is really good. But then again, I haven't been all that impressed by the teams they've played. New Orleans is not New Orleans anymore. That's true. Yeah. And they yeah, did, they, should, they did put the kibosh on our offense though. Yeah, but that seems like a hundred years ago. It I mean, does. there's no way that the Packers would score seven points if they played at Ford Field this Sunday. Yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. And so, yeah, I mean, that defense, I think, is legit at the same point. But they've been nail-biters against everybody. They've done kind of what they've done for years, and they play to the level of their competition. There's no reason Kyle Orton's Buffalo Bills should beat you at home under any circumstances. Uh, And they were in a dogfight with Minnesota. I know Megatron's hurt, but, you know, if Stafford's a franchise quarterback, that shouldn't matter that much. And so we'll see what happens to them. I wish we got them sooner than the last week of the season because part of me almost wonders if the Packers might have the division won by that game. Um, there's a certain real possibility of that, especially if the Bears are able to take one or two from the Lions. Yep. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. I agree with everything you said about Cutler and Marshall and all that stuff, so we'll see what happens down there. Hopefully it's not fixed ever and they just keep yeah. know, <laughs> uh, being unimpressive. All right, I mentioned New Orleans. That's who the Packers have next down in New Orleans, who the old adage goes is a different team down there. I've echoed that multiple times on this show. But the two games they've had down there were a 20-9 victory over the Minnesota Vikings and a comeback victory that looked like it was going to be a loss in overtime to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Saints aren't the same at the Superdome either. Is this the one where they finally turn the light bulb on? I think the Packers take it. I think any any time in years past, I probably would have picked the Saints here in New Orleans. And it seems like it could be a trap game, but I don't think it is for the Packers because it is the Saints. You know you're going into the Superdome. You're playing the New Orleans Saints. You know it's going to be a tough game. And I just think clearly they're the better team right now. Their offense is much better. Their defense is much better. Um, it, I'm not going to be surprised if they lose down there, and they have before. But I think yeah. that right now they're so much better. Um, and they just look so much more impressive. The Saints have been poor all year long. They are going to be a desperate team, which is a little bit scary, but I don't think that's enough. Yeah, I think you – I agree with almost everything you said there. I'm very – I'm not scared at all, but it, definitely there's a potential for an upset in this one. But all I can get in, in my head is I just think about the last time Rodgers was down there and he played horrible and they ran him out of the joint. Yeah. He, what, what was that, like his 10th start <laughs> of his career? I mean, this is a different guy going down there now. I mean, this is a totally different situation. And so I expect Aaron Rodgers to play very well. That Saints defense doesn't scare me at all. And Drew Brees is going to give you the ball sometimes. He's already got seven interceptions. He's only got 11 touchdown passes. He's still Drew Brees. He can still turn it on. He plays well at home. Um, this is, I think, going to be a tough one. But honestly... If the Packers won 38-17, to again, it wouldn't really surprise me that much. So I think it'll be closer than that, obviously. Uh, but I think I'll take the Packers to win. Saying, though, however, as a qualifier, that if they did lose, I wouldn't be all that shocked. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's wrap it up this week for Green and Gold Forever. Um, a short edition, uh, like we said, but hopefully there was some good stuff in there. If you want some extra content, and I know you do, I'm sure you're like, this is not enough Green and Gold Forever for me this week. What are you doing? Uh, like I said, there's an article uh, that's going to be posted along with this about the Peyton Manning situation. That's uh, some interesting stuff. Also, uh, you can hear the Green and Gold Forever preview every Friday on KZ Radio, which is 
uh, 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities. It's 104.3 in Green Bay or anywhere in the world on MyKZRadio.com. So if you want to hear the Green and Gold Forever preview, you can do it there. Also keep interacting with the show on the Facebook page, and uh, you can also send us an email if you have a topic or uh, kind of a longer thing you want to send us. You can do that at GreenAndGoldPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at GreenGoldForever. That's the number four where I make really stupid comments during the games that really don't contribute at all to your viewing experience. So um, I guess I don't really have anything else to add. Matt, do you got anything for the road? I got nothing. All right, me either. So let's call it a week, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk about another Packers victory on uh, next week. So for Matt in Altoona, I'm Eric in Oshkosh. Take care, everyone.